theyeshiva.net. Hechel Menachem presents A Tale of Two Souls, an ongoing lecture series on the Tanya by Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Jacobson. This is the twelfth tape in the series entitled Workings of the Mind, Part 1, Chachma and Bina, recorded live at Hechel Menachem, Brooklyn, New York. Good morning to all of you. We are in the middle of Pere Gimel, the third chapter of Tanya. The last line of Dav Zayin Amid Aleph, 7a. The last words of the line, Ubir Ha'inyin. Last week, in the beginning of the Perik, Reb Shnei Zalman, the Al-Terebbe, discussed the fact that every single soul, and over here he's referring to the divine soul, to the Nefesh Alekis, possesses ten faculties, ten attributes. These are ten modes through which the soul manifests itself and experiences itself. He says that these ten faculties correspond and actually evolve from the ten supernal spheres, the ten attributes that Hashem projected and emanated from Himself, which were the spiritual building blocks of the entire universe and everything that is in the universe. These ten faculties are more generally, he said, divided into two parts, two sections. One is the cognitive intellectual experience consisting of the three intellectual faculties, Chachma, Bina, Das, conception, comprehension, and application. Those are the first three spheres, the first three characteristics that Hashem, so to speak, projected from Himself. And then there are seven emotional faculties called the Sheva Midas, the seven spheres, which are the emotional and passionate experience. And the human being also possesses these ten faculties, and again, three intellectual cognitive faculties of Chachma Bin Adas, and seven emotional faculties, which are Chesed, Gvura, Tiferes, Netzach, Hoid, Yisoyed, and Malchus. Attraction, rejection, integration, endurance, devotion, bonding, and royalty. The Alter Rebbe continued to say that the three first intellectual faculties, Chachma Bin Adas, or their acronym Chabad, are called mothers, the three mothers, Shalish Imais, due to the fact that they are the mothers and the source for the Midas, which are deemed to be their offspring and offshoot and a birth, children, so to speak, from the faculties of Chachma bin Adas. Now the Alter Rebbe will go on to explain two points. And this will occupy the remainder of the chapter. Point number one. What are the three intellectual faculties of Chachma bin Adas? What is their essence, their significance, their function and purpose? And how these faculties actually become the mothers the source and the origin of the emotional experience of man. And all of this, how it is from the perspective of the divine soul. In later Prakim we will see, Perik Vav, the Alter Rebbe discusses the fact that the animal soul, the vital, natural, self-indulgent soul of man, also possesses these ten faculties. But over there the ten faculties are oriented and directed towards self, versus the divine soul, experiences all these ten faculties as a godly experience, It because the essence of this soul is a perpetual sense of uh, communion and relationship to Hashem, a soul that gravitates and pines to connect with its divine source. Let's learn insight. Ubiyur ha'inyin. Ubiyur ha'inyin, the explanation of the matter... The explanation of the, the idea of these three intellectual processes described above, as well as explaining how these three faculties produce the middays, the emotional experience, is as follows. The intellectual faculty, the seichel, of the nefesh hamaskelis, of the soul, 
that, in, that, ex, that expresses itself through this faculty. The soul that cogitates, the soul that experiences an intellectual idea. So this seichel, shohu hamaskil kol dover, which conceives any matter, nikra b'shem chachma. This is given the appellation of chachma. The word chachma describes and articulates the experience of the intellectual faculty of the nefesh, which is maskil kol davar, which conceives every matter. And the reason for this, he says, because chachma is a combination of two words, koyachma, the potential or the faculty of what is. Ma means what is. Chachma, ches, chaf, mem, chaf, ches, mem, hey. So the first part of the word is chaf ches, that makes kayach, and the second part of the word is mem hey, that makes ma. So chachma is a combination of these two words, kayach ma. When one brings forth this concentrated idea from the potential into the actual, that is, when one cogitates with his intellect in order to understand a matter full well and delves to its very depth, as it evolves from the concept which he had conceived in his intellect, this stage of the process is termed Bina. Before we go further, let me explain what is the Alter Rebbe teaching us over here. It is a common experience that uh, people often experience, especially those who are uh, into learning and contemplating and the learning process, that one has a great dilemma on a certain issue. Something that perturbs him, that bothers him. He is seeking a solution for a specific issue, whatever it may be. An intellectual issue, an emotional issue, a psychological issue, a practical issue. So the person has this dilemma, he needs a solution, and he thinks about it for days. When he walks in the street, he thinks about it. When he goes to sleep, he thinks about it. In the middle of supper, he thinks about it. He cannot get his mind off this dilemma. Suddenly, a flash, a solution enters his mind. Something creeps into his mind, he thinks it's great, he has it. He's not ready to tell anyone else, his friend, his wife, his child, his colleague. Why? Because he feels that he still needs to work it out. It's still not so clear and articulated that he can relate it to someone else, he still has to work it out. Especially you have this, for example, when one is learning Gemara, or any other safer of Torah or the other wisdoms, that require deep concentration and attachment and contemplation. So the person reads through a piece of Gemara, learns the commentators, and does not understand a word. So what do you do? You learn it again. And he learns it again. He tries harder to understand. And once again, he fails to comprehend what is going on. So either some people give up. It's not for me. But a serious student studies it again. And reads the text from beginning to end slowly and totally concentrates on the idea he's trying to comprehend. Once and twice and three times. And if he doesn't understand, he does it again. And then suddenly a flash enters his mind. A lightning, so to speak. And he feels, I have it. It's clear. I have something in my mind which answers the question which will allow me to comprehend it. So a friend who saw this sudden response comes over you, tell me what the answer is. I can't tell it to you. Why can't you tell it to me? I'm not sure about it. I still have to work it out. I still have to apply it to the details. I have still have to hold on to it. And he cannot talk about it yet. And the question is, this is a phenomenon that an average human being experiences. What is the reason for this nebulous state of being. On one hand, you feel you have it. There is a certain clarity 
that entered your mind, that illuminated your cognitive faculties. You feel satiated and satisfied. You feel there is something that will be able to cover the problem and solve the dilemma. But nevertheless, if you do not hold on to that idea, it will fall out of your mind and you'll forget it and it'll be lost. You'll have to start all over again. It will dissipate. Together with that, you cannot explain it to anybody else. You cannot articulate it even to yourself. If at this moment someone will say, so how does it answer the question? You're not certain how it answers the question. But you just know that it answers the question. You're still not certain how it will cover all the issues, how it can be applied to all the details, how it can indeed answer all the facets of the dilemma. What is the explanation in this? Chassidus explains it thus. Whenever two distinct entities that have no relationship with each other are combined and merged and merged together, there is always a question which side, which party will be the dominant one and which one will be the subservient one. Just as in physical reality. Everyone understands you cannot place a chair in the territory that a table occupies. Either you move the table and the chair comes in, or the table remains and the chair stays out, or you make a compromise. You cut the table in half, and you cut the chair in half, and you put the chair in the territory of the table. This is a sheer physicality that a child understands when he plays Lego. Then the same is true regarding emotional, psychological, and spiritual issues. Regarding a relationship of two distinct individuals, a relationship where they are to coexist together in a serious way, the question is always, either one will be the dominant one, and the second individual will be subservient in the relationship, or vice versa, or they will both compromise and find middle ground where they can meet and merge together without totally losing their respective individual, individual faculties and traits. The same is true regarding distinct issues, even metaphysical issues. And that is, when two realities come together, which reality gives room and space for the other one to enter? The cognitive experience is an experience that brings two entities together. On one side stands a human being with his luggage or her luggage, a human being with his intellectual attributes, energies, faculties, modes of expression, the cognitive ability of the human being, or what we call seichel. On the other hand, on the other side stands a muskal. What is a muskal? That is the word in Hebrew that denotes an intellectual concept, idea. The human being is attempting to understand, to comprehend, to discern and introduce into his cognitive faculties this intellectual concept which he did, was not aware of before, which he did not understand before, which is something outside of him. It's a new reality to him. Over here comes the question. When these two realities unite, come together, which one is the dominant in the relationship and which one is the subservient? Which one of the two entities moves and gives space to the other one? Is the cognitive faculty the dominant element in the union? Is that the main aspect of this experience? And the intellectual idea is thus subservient to the human's cognitive faculties? Or is it vice versa? Thus, indeed in the cognitive experience there are two stages. And in the first stage, the idea... The intellectual idea is the dominant one in the relationship, is the one that takes over, that overwhelms, that overshadows everything else. And in that stage, the cognitive faculty is subservient and submerged in the intellectual idea that, over, that has overwhelmed it. Or the second stage that follows that is the stage where the intellectual idea becomes subservient and subordinate 
to the cognitive faculty which now is supreme. And this, if you wish, is Chachma and Bina. What is indeed the process of understanding something? Again, back to our previous metaphor. You are learning that piece of Gemara, or Rashi, or Taisvis, or Rishayim, or Acherim, or whatever you are learning. And you don't understand it. You don't understand it. So you start over all over again. And you learn it again, slowly, intensely. You're concentrating, and you still do not understand a word. You just cannot understand the idea. Either you totally don't understand it, or you have questions, whatever the case may be, everyone according to their intellectual capacity. So you begin again, and you start all over again. And at this moment, if you're a serious student, you suspend everything you know, everything you think about, everything you're aware of. You are totally attached and connected to these words of Gemara. There is nothing else in your life at the moment. There is nothing else existing in your reality, in your world, in your universe, in your mind. You totally attach yourself and concentrate to the idea. What you're doing at this moment is, you're suspending yourself, including your cognitive faculty, to the idea which is transcribed in the Gemara. You cannot at that moment even be aware of the fact that you're thinking or contemplating. You are totally submerged and overwhelmed by the words of the Gemara. And at that moment, suddenly, a spark, a flash. The idea conveyed in the Gemara illuminates your mind, enters your cognitive faculty, and you sense suddenly a sudden relief, a sudden illumination that came from outside, that did not exist, and this illumination clarifies everything. But you cannot articulate it, you cannot define it, you cannot relate it to anyone else. Why? Because at this stage of the relationship, your cognitive faculties are subservient, are subordinate, are being overwhelmed and overshadowed and overtaken by the actual intellectual idea. What happens at this moment is, you suspended yourself, so you allowed the idea in its full glory in its infinite beauty, to enter into your mind. But now comes stage two of the process. And stage two is, okay, stop, and now you emerge. Now your intellectual faculties come to the front, come to the fore. And you take this illumination, this spark, this lightning, so to speak, as a metaphor, and you begin dissecting it compartmentalizing it, dividing it into sections and subsections, connecting it to all facets of the dilemma, seeing how this aspect answers this question, and this aspect explains this query, and this point uh, reconciles this contradiction, and so on and so forth. And suddenly you create beams and walls and tapestries and coverings and doors and furniture until you have a beautiful intellectual mansion that you created in your mind. And now, you call over your friend and you say, now I'll be able to explain it to you. And you explain him the question, and then the answer, and the answer has so many details suddenly. There is the first stage of the answer, and the second stage of the answer, and the proof to the answer, and the question you can ask and answer, and the way you answer that question. And so on and so forth, all the different aspects and details of a beautiful palace, that an intellectual palace that has been created by your cognitive mind. And this is the reason... Why, if we are to examine our, our own experiences, we'll see a very interesting thing regarding the first stage of the cognitive experience and the second stage. If you can recall from your own experience, and it will certainly happen to you in the future, at that stage of Chachma, when that thought entered your mind, there is a certain clarity, a certain beauty, and define clarity that you will never have again. When you struggle and take this concept and dissect it and compartmentalize it, you will stand thirsty, searching for those ten words that entered your mind. There was such an unambiguity about them, a beauty, a glamour about them, a just sense of clarity that does not exist in the next stage. 
In the stage two, there exists a beauty of its own. A beauty of its own where you have all the details in a very clear, articulated, and definitive manner. But there's a certain intense relationship with the idea that you have only at the first stage of Chachma that does not exist in Bina. That's point number one difference. Another point is in the first stage, you will never have many details. It will always be a flash of wisdom, a flash of insight, and that's it. Versus in the second stage, the flash is dissected and compartmentalized. It's characterized by details. What is the, re- the reason for this? Another metaphor for Chachma and Bina can be the difference between seeing and hearing. al Rebbe uses this metaphor in one, another of his farim. There is when a person sees a beautiful piece of art with his own eyes. And then there is the person hearing about it from someone else. Someone who is an intelligent man, who knows how to communicate an event, a phenomenon that he has observed, comes to the human being who is skilled and conveys to him a beautiful piece of art that he has seen today. With all its details, what is the difference? In both cases, you are aware and knowledgeable exactly of what this piece of art is. The difference is quite simple. In seeing, you come and you look at the piece of art, and the first moment, you see it all. You are overwhelmed by its beauty, by the keen skill that went into this piece of art. You are, you are overwhelmed by the talent of the artist who has taken canvas, pigment, and a brush, and has created such a live story. When you hear about the piece of art, you are not overtaken by it in its totality. You hear detail after detail. One point, another point, this, the home, the tree, the person, the fight, the blood in the corner, the child crying. And finally, after all the details, you construct detail after detail, and in your mind you build a full picture, and you visualize in your perception that complete piece of art. So in, this, in, the, in the first experience of seeing, you begin with the general, with the total, And then you begin dissecting the details. After you have seen it, and seen it in its totality, you begin looking at this part, at this color, at this aspect of the painting, etc. In hearing, it's vice versa. You begin with the details, and only then do you construct a total, full-fledged painting. On a deeper level, what happens by seeing is, the piece of art, again, there's a relationship Whenever you see something, there's a relationship. There's a relationship between you, your vantage point, your perception, and the object, the thing that you are seeing, that you are observing. When you see something, the object that you see is the dominant one in the relationship. It overwhelms you. It takes you over. It permeates you. It penetrates you. You become subservient to the painting. When you hear something, the painting is not here to overtake you. You are the one who is... The objective observer who is judgmental about it, who is critical about it, who is comprehending point after point, detail after detail. You are the dominant one in the relationship. This is the difference between Chachma and Bina. Chachma and Bina, you suspend yourself. Since you suspend yourself, you allow for something outside of you to enter. As long as you remained within the parameters of your cognitive faculties, something truly new cannot be conceived by you. The moment you suspended yourself, you became a receptacle, a vessel. You made a hole, an opening, a door for a new insight, a new flash of wisdom to enter you. And therefore there will be a certain clarity that you will never be able to get again. You will never be able to capture it again. Why? Because it is only at this moment of Chachma, when the intellectual faculty came in, when the intellectual faculty revealed itself, expressed itself, The later stages are ready, that's gone, that's finished. Now you begin the process. Now it's suddenly the human being with his finite intellectual cognitive faculties taking that flash of wisdom, taking that object, and he becomes the boss. So he begins dissecting it and compartmentalizing it and dividing it and subdividing it, sub-subdividing it and creating from it a beautiful mansion. In the first stage, the details will be submerged in the intensity of the experience. All the details are there. In that flash of wisdom, all the details are there. 
but they're submerged. They're there in a state of potentiality, in a state of Bekayach. Why? Why are they not revealed? Because the detailed intellectual factors are submerged and nullified within the intense experience of the quintessential concept. Versus in being it's the other way around. Over here, there's only details. Over here, you don't have the essence of the concept anymore. The concept left. Now you stand alone. And you take that and you begin applying it. And comprehending it and accepting it in all facets. Until you build a beautiful mansion. So there's a certain beauty in Chachma that doesn't exist in Bina. And a certain beauty in Bina that doesn't exist in Chachma. Thus we call Chachma conception. Chachma is when you conceive the idea. Bina we call comprehension. Each one is crucial in the intellectual process. Many times we do not discern this process occurring. However, if a person at certain times has a very difficult dilemma, we can discern in our own experience this process, or if a person's intellectual faculties are working very slow, like after sometimes one wakes up from anesthesia, etc., one can also discern this, these two stages of Chachman Bina. But indeed, usually they work together almost simultaneously. But nevertheless, there is always this process of first conception and then comprehension. The Zayar calls the two faculties of Chachma and Bina train rein the Lamis Two friends that are inseparable. Chachma and Bina are colleagues, they work together. Chachma is the conceiving faculty, it conceives, and then Chachma passes it down to Bina, and Bina comprehends. The Sefer Yitzira tells us, You have to experience Bina and Chachma, and Chachma and Bina, what is that? If you remain in the realm of Chachma, you will have the essence of the concept, but it will never be able to be of any intellectual value or use. You must introduce the Bina, take that flash and dissect it. Take that flash and divide it. On the other hand, after the process of Bina, you built the entire structure. Now, Chachem Bina. Now again, you have to come back to the essence to the point. After you have all those details, and you built a mansion, a beautiful building with six floors, with eight bedrooms in every floor, in the intellectual experience, now again you have to come back to the quintessence, to the point, to the bottom line of what you had in the original Chachm experience. But once again, the Chachem Bebina will never be like the first original Chachm. That moment of illumination never comes again. And we often struggle when we're in the details. Give me back that flash again. It was so clear. Many people at the stage of Chachma write down what they sensed. So later in the stage of Bina you have words to refer to. But nevertheless, those words will not allow you to experience it again. Those words will just be indicators, reminders of the experience. But that actual sense of light, of Chachma, you will never have again. In one of his discourses, Rabbi Shnei Zaman compares Chachma to a lightning, a Barak HaMavrik. And I remember, I was once on a canoe trip, and I got lost. And it was lightning and raining and thunders, and it was in the midst of a huge forest. And I had another four hours to reach our destination. I was in a canoe with another friend of mine, a colleague of mine. And it was quite serious and dangerous to be uh, frank. So we immediately got over the water and we're searching a, a forest, a desert. And I don't want to get into it, but we came across certain nice uh, animals, undomesticated animals. And suddenly we have seen a, uh, a hut, a home. So we went to the home and under the circumstances, crashed down the door and entered the home. It was pitch dark. And you're dealing over here with a forest there's no remnants even of electricity or light from anywhere. Nature as it was created without any human interventions. So we're standing there. It's pitch dark. We cannot see anything in the home. Certainly not see a light switch, etc. And then suddenly by divine providence, a lightning came. A Barak HaMavrik. And of course we made the bracha. And suddenly the home was illuminated. But the lightning was for a split second. It did not help us too much. By the time we looked, it was over. And at that moment, ten consecutive lightnings came one after the other. Literally, one after the other. And so for ten seconds, we had a clear home. We saw over there, there was a candle and matches. 
Immediately as the lightnings ended, everything was back, pitch dark, but we knew the candle was there, the matches are there. We went in, we lit the candle, and we stayed there for the night. This is exactly what Chachma is. Chachma is a lightning that comes and goes. It says, the Zayar da Chachma. There was light. This is Chachma. Bina is defined in Zayar as Chayshech, as being dark. Conception, light, and comprehension, dark. And the answer is, yes. Chachma is the moment you allowed yourself to experience something beyond you. That's why you will never experience Chachma without total concentration. However, you could be walking in the street... And you had a dilemma for several days, and suddenly, flesh, it solved. What happened? You were concentrating on it. Subconsciously, you were daydreaming, and your dreams, your fantasies took you to that issue, to that dilemma. And suddenly, subconsciously, you were so attached to it, that there was a flash of wisdom. There was an illumination over here. And that's sometimes even a deeper concentration. It's a subconscious concentration where you're totally connected. You're so connected, you're not even aware you're connected. And then only later, after you have the solution, you realize how for the past 10 minutes you were walking the streets or the park and you were thinking just about this. So Chachma will never happen if there is no suspension of self. And that's the true ability of Chachma. Chachma is that cognitive faculty that allows us to put ourselves on the side and to focus and become attached and connected in a very powerful and intense manner to a specific issue, intellectual issue, cognitive issue that is beyond us. And then there will be a lightning that will suddenly illuminate our entire cognitive being. And that illumination will be so intense, so powerful, so beautiful, such clarity, such unambiguity, such richness. There is a certain aristocracy, a reichheit it's called in Yiddish, in the intellectual experience at the stage of Chachma. Bina is already stage two. The lightning has left. Now you're on your own. Take that and begin dissecting it. Begin seeing how it relates to all the details. And construct from that a beautiful mansion. There will be a certain clarity in Bina and a certain delight in Bina that doesn't exist in Chachma, of course. There's a certain delight when someone has... The full picture with all its details. There is nothing like it. But nevertheless, there is that delight of Bina, but there is a certain delight of Chachma that will never exist in Bina. Moment. This is what the Alter Rebbe is teaching us over here. Chachma is called Kayachma. What is Kayachma? Two interpretations. First and foremost, Kayachma, the potentiality of what is. Ma means what is. And that means, Chachma is that cognitive attribute, that cognitive faculty, that allows us to conceive a concept regarding which we ask, what is it? We do not have it clear, set down. With all its ramifications, we still probe and ask the question, what is this concept? Only after Bina, after the experience of Bina, do we have it cleared down the road with all its turns, its rights and its lefts and its middles and its ups and its downs, and all the ramifications of the idea. All its results, all its consequences. In Bina, we have the idea in full breadth and length and depth and all its abstractions and its limitations. All its parameters and ramifications emerge only in Bina. So Chachma is the stage of Kayachma. But there's a deeper interpretation of Kayachma based on the Pasuk and Parshas B'Shalach, Perik Tezayin, Pasuk Zayin, when the Jewish people complained to Moshe and Aaron upon leaving Mitzrayim that they do not have food to eat. It would have been better, they said, if we would stay in Egypt. At least over there we had meat and bread rather than dying in a desert from starvation. So Moshe and Aaron, after communicating to them the words of Hashem, that Hashem will grant them food and sustenance, Moshe said, Moshe and Aaron said, V'nachnu What are we that you should incite complaints against, complaints against us? So V'nachnu over here means, what are we? In other words, they are saying, we are nothing. We are but delegates. We are but representatives, emissaries. 
of Hashem. And in this sense, Kayachma means the faculty of nothingness. Kayachma, the faculty of what? The faculty of nothingness. It is that faculty in the human being that allows him to nullify himself, to abnegate himself to something which is transcendental, to something that is beyond him. It is that ability and potential in the human being to soar and rise above his parameters and limitations. It is that capacity that we have for self-transcendence. In one word, kayachma, the ability for nothingness. It is not a coincidence. And this is one of the reasons why children are often so wise. It's an experience we encounter. Children sometimes have a certain wisdom that does not exist in adults. Because they have so much of that natural humility, which is the capacity to absorb things without having the need to treat them critically. When we hear something, when we sit by a lecture, a class, we read a book, the person is trying to convey a new idea, a new perspective. Immediately we have to become opinionated. Immediately we have critique. We have to criticize. We know his background. We know where he's coming from. I already understood this and I have this question and that answer. That's not Chachma. And such a person will never be able to experience Chachma. Chachma is the ability stop. Remain silent. Become connected. And allow a new experience, a new intellectual experience to become born within you. Then comes Bina. Chachma without Bina is disconnected from you. But Bina without Chachma, you have nothing to connect with besides yourself and your finite parameters. So Chachma and Bina are crucial stages in building a full, wholesome and constructive intellectual palace. Yeah. It, your question is as follows. Is Chachma just free thoughts flowing around in the mind? Or is Chachma an experience of one point entering your mind? Oh, is Chachma the ability, there's a certain intelligence out there that a person has the ability to tap into? Or is it not something outside, but rather ideas that were pre-existing that come together. Um, uh, both dynamics are true in different conditions. First and foremost, Chachma would be tapping in to specific wisdom and intelligence that exists in the realm of intellectual wisdom outside of the human being. And Chachma is the ability to tap into that and access that and internalize it within us, which is through Bina. Including Chachma includes also tapping into certain dynamics of one's own being and entity, including his subconscious, and accessing that. Yeah. When someone is reading a newspaper or listening to the radio, I may add, is there Chachma or is there only Bina? Okay. Yeah, I understand. Is Chachma a rear entity? As men, in light of mentioned before, this is the difference and this is how you will know. Whenever you read something or you understand something that was already part of you before, it was part of your thinking process, part of your intellectual process, it's something that immediately fits into your character, your personality, to your, even object, I mean objective personality, we're talking about an intellectual experience, we're not talking about an emotional experience by no means. When I use the word experience throughout the class today, I did not mean an emotional subjective experience, but rather an intellectual powerful experience. Whenever we read something in the, the news which is not t- totally new, perhaps this detailed fact is new, but the concept, the quintessential concept is not do- new, then the stage of Chachma will be extremely subservient to the stage of Bina. There will always be a certain sense of Chachma, a certain sense of conception if you are hearing something new. But nevertheless, if it's not something that is truly new, in the sense that it's introducing a new perspective, a new dimension, a new mode of thinking, a new logical idea that you had no connection to, the stage of Chachma will be subordinate to the stage of Bina. What will be emphasized would be Bina. The details, the clear-cut understanding of all of it. However, when are we evident of the powerful experience of Chachma is 
when we're dealing with something that we totally don't understand. And when we understand it, it's news to us. On many levels. That's when we experience also in our own lives, Chachma, and that's indeed when Chachma is more emphasized. So t- in, to answer your question briefly, there is always the process of Chachma and Bina, but sometimes it is the Chachma that takes over and sometimes it is the Bina that takes over. I wanted to add that in human beings, although every single human being possesses both faculties, that's a given, nevertheless, by certain human beings, one is more emphasized than the other one. One is the dominant one and the other one is the subservient one. You have people who are very creative. They are extremely creative. We always had those friends in schools that when there was a mathematical riddle, they always had the answer within two minutes, three minutes. They have those creative minds to come up immediately with solutions for dilemmas. They're very good in new, conceiving new ideas, revolutionary ideas, new angles, etc., but they are miserable in articulating, in explaining, in conveying. They do not have that ability. There are others who are very poor in creating a new idea. They just do not have that ability. But they are extraordinary when you give them a seminal idea, a point in developing it, in processing it, in articulating all the ramifications, and then in communicating it, in explaining it. In defining it. Everyone has these two aspects. The question is, what is emphasized? And then you have those brilliant people who have the ability and to, to, and are superb in in uh, in both aspects. Yeah. Who says this? You're asking what is the connection to Moshe and Aaron regarding this issue? Because I, I brought the Pasuk V'nachno Makis Alinu Alav. I do not want to now address the personality and characters of Moshe and Aaron from the perspective of Rav Shneir Zalman. But briefly you could say that Moshe is many times connected to uh, this, this the faculty of Chachma. Indeed is seen many times to be the embodiment and personification of, uh, of Chachma, of the sphere, of the attribute of Chachma. And... Uh, in this sense, although usually Aaron is of another nature, but in this sense, Aaron uh, is also connected to Moshe, and therefore they both said, as you pointed out in Parshish Shmini, Moshe tells Aaron, Lama why are you being bashful? So that you say the Baal Shem Tov explains, that Lama Atabosh is, Lama Atabosh, since you possess the faculty of Ma, therefore you are bashful, you are humble, you are overtaken by you all. But the actual concept of Moshe and Aaron is a discussion for itself, yeah. Okay, thank you very much Since there are many people that listen to the tape So briefly what this gentleman was telling us Was that uh, A statement that the son of the Rebbe Shneir Zaman, the Mittler Rebbe Indeed, even in the Alter Rebbe's forum itself It is also brought, though briefly and concisely That this is the reason why uh, Chachma there is a certain, uh, as mentioned before, an unambiguity, a certain sense of clarity that one experiences in Chachma that is almost like seeing something. Although one might refute what you have seen intellectually and logically, you'll say, listen, I have seen this. And therefore, there are certain stages of Chachma when one sees the concept that although logically there might be certain inconsistent things and certain things that might refute that logic, but nevertheless there is that level of Chachm which is called Re'iya, which some of the Tanayim and Amirayim, we know the story with Rav, who once said something and he was refuted by his colleagues, and it says, Shosik Rav, Rav was silent, he did not respond, but nevertheless he did not regret, he did not regret his previous opinion. He remained in his uh, previous stand and ideology. So one of the reasons for it is... Chassidus explains because it was a certain sense of seeing that although intellectually he did not have it figured out in all its details, but nevertheless it cannot be refuted. However, I just have to explain that this is a higher level of Chachma. Over here in Perigim, what we are talking to is an intellectual experience of Chachma, which is a logical experience. It's not something that's beyond transcending logic, but it's that logic which comes from the idea and not from the human being and his character. Let's continue over here. Yeah, one more question, yeah? 
Very good question. Yeah. Okay. The question is, in Periketches of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe relates the facet of Chachma to the spiritual purity of the Jew, that dimension of the Jewish soul which is impenetrable by the evil inclination and which allows the Jew to actually give up his life for Hashem. Over here we are discussing Seichel in pure intellectual terms, not relating it to a divine or totally spiritual transcendental godly experience. What is the mushal over here? What is the nimshal? Is perikit ches chachma or is this chachma? It's a very valid question and I must emphasize therefore that in perik ches we are discussing chachma on a deeper level and none of them is a mushal or a nimshal. In other words, chachma, what is the essence of chachma? One aspect. Chachma is the ability of a person to suspend himself and experience something beyond himself. Indeed, the Altarebbe elsewhere defines Chachma as Ayin and Bina as Yesh. Chachma as nothingness and Bina as somethingness. Why? Because in the stage of Chachma, the person allows himself to, to experience himself as nothingness and thus perceive and conceive something beyond him. Bina is the person back Within his parameters, it is the person experiencing himself as something, experiencing himself as a defined entity who has potentials, who has faculties, who has attributes, and is accessing information. Chachma is the person going beyond himself. Bina is the person remaining intact as he is, with all his ups and downs, understanding something. That is the essence of Chachma and the essence of Bina. This essence exists on many levels. When you talk within the intellectual realm of experience, what is Chachma and Bina? What I have described previously. Chachma is the ability to conceive a new idea. Bina is the ability to comprehend the idea that you have conceived. When you talk, however, about a deeper level of reality, when you talk about spiritual reality, when you talk about the Neshama's relationship with Hashem, etc., what is Chachma and Bina over there? Bina will be the experience of having a relationship to Hashem within your terms of existence, within the parameters and the ramifications of your personality and character, and Chachma is that ability of the soul where it is totally abnegated and nullified, and it, which allows the divine essence to, to reveal itself and, and express itself. Indeed, we will also learn in chapter 35 of Tanya, with Alter Rebbe says, that there is... A uniqueness in Chachma and the fact that it is the only aspect of the ten spheres, of the ten supernal spheres, in which there is a revelation of the ultimate all-pervadingness, all-pervaded, all-pervaded, all-pervaded truth of Hashem. Why is that? Because it is only the experience of Chachma that allows a complete and total revelation of Hashem in His terms, not in our terms. So, Perigimel, we're talking a lower level of Chachma, how we experience Chachma within the intellectual experience of the Divine Soul. In Perigitchas, he addresses the deeper aspects of the Divine Soul, the transcendental aspects that go beyond its attributes and faculties, and then Chachma takes on a newer dimension. So, Chachma and exist on many levels. Okay, is it clear? Let's continue. Vehenheim. We are holding Vehenheim. So what did Alter Rebbe say? Chachma is called Kayachma. And when one takes the potential in Kayachma and actualizes it and expresses it and reveals it, and he understands something, he says he contemplates something to understand it very well, and it's full depth, that is called Bina. Because Bina is not creating something new. All the details were there in Chachma, but they were submerged in the totality of the idea. Bina is the evolution, the specification of the conception of Chachma, and comprehending it in full detail, very well, and in depth, and that's called Bina. And one of the reasons indeed it's called Bina is Bina, the etymology of the word Bina is Binyan, building, a building. Bina 
is creating an intellectual mansion, an intellectual building, which by definition is comprised of many, many chambers, compartments, and pieces of furniture. And the same is true regarding Bina. Vehein heim ava aim. They, Chachma and Bina, are the very father and mother, which give birth to the love of Hashem, and awe, Yira of Hashem, and dread, Pachad of Hashem. And over here we have a new name for Chachma and Bina. Chachma defined as a father, an Av, and Bina as an Aim, as a mother. And indeed in many Kabbalistic and Hasidic writings, we have the two central words of Abba and Ima. Abba is the code word for Chachma, and Ima is the code word for Bina. Why? What is the difference and the relationship between a father and a mother regarding the creation of a child? The father is the one who generates a specific substance, a liquid which is very small, that is almost like a code, which is totally non-compartmentalized, which is a seminal point of existence. And then the father transmits that to the mother, the husband to his wife. And the mother takes that substance, nurtures it, develops it, and ultimately gives birth to a beautiful child who possesses and who consists of a many of lambs, limbs, organs, sinews, and all the different compartments of the human body. So the father is Chachma and the mother is Bina. The father is the one who introduces the seminal idea, who introduces the quintessence, who introduces the point, the crux, the essence. The mother has the ability of Bina, of taking that and creating a palace out of it. And this indeed also gives insight to another difference between Chachma and Bina. Chachma will never take time. Chachma will occur instantaneously. The experience of Chachma is a momentary experience, an immediate experience. The preparations for Chachma take time. They might take hours, they might take days, weeks, years. But the actual experience of Chachma, whoever experience knows, is an instant experience. That flash of wisdom happens in a split second, in a split moment. It happens and that's it. Either you hold on to it, you grasp it, and then you transmit it to the realm of Bina, or you lose it. And indeed we see, many times, after the experience of Chachma, if you stop thinking about it, you have it, oh, I have the answer. And you go away doing something else. And then two hours you come back and you want to figure it out. Over. You lost it. If you do not immediately after Chachma, hold on tight to it, you will lose it. After Bina, after the stage of Bina, you don't have to hold on to it. Once you did Bina, you created from it a whole edifice, an entire home. Then you could go do something else and you'll come back a week later. And have the whole thing once again. You bring it back from your memory storage house. But Chachma, you have to hold on to it. What is the difference for this? The difference of this is due to the same above mentioned reason. Chachma, you did not understand it. It is the thing, the object, the intellectual idea that revealed itself within you. That expressed itself within you. Of course you conceived it. But it is that stage of the process where you were nullified. So if you go away doing something else and you come back, you won't have it anymore. Why won't you have it anymore? Because you never had it. Bina, you have it. You comprehend it. It became internalized. You integrated it within your psyche, within your cognitive experience. So even if you go away and you do something else a week later, someone says, explain it to me again. A few seconds and it's back. Because it became part of you. Why is it that sometimes we sit by a beautiful sheer class lecture? And we understand every word the man is saying. And it's so beautiful. It's amazing. It's extraordinary. It's so sweet. And then you come home. So your wife asks you, so what did he say today? Oh, it was a beautiful class. What was it about? It was extraordinary. I never heard such amazing words. It gave insight into what I experience every day. So tell me, what did he say? Well, uh, he said, ah, and you just don't get it. 
and you start thinking about it, and you did not understand a word the man said. What is the reason for this? The reason for this is that when you're sitting by a class, if you're a true student, Chachma is the dominant factor, not Bina. Unless there are those people who immediately, when they're sitting already, are thinking what their next question will be. But the average human being is the stage of Chachma. In the stage of Chachma, you did not get it. You suspended yourself, and therefore you have it. Then comes stage two. After the class, the person goes to his own corner and begins taking it down and applying it and relating it to his realm of experience. And remember, the glamour will never be the same. You'll try to remember that intensity, that intuition that you had, and it will not come back. But nevertheless, Bina is the moment when it becomes connected with you. So Chachma never takes time. Chachma is instantaneously. Because it's not you acting. It's the thing acting, and for that there's no time. There's no need for occupation of time. In Bina, it's you dissecting it. It's where you come into the picture. And therefore, there is a need for time. So the Av produces that liquid in a moment. And then, that substance remains in the mother's womb for quite a while. For months and months. And this is also a metaphor for Bina. Bina is defined by the fact that it occupies time. It's a process. Chachma, by definition, is a flash, is a instant state of being. Bina, by definition, is a process. So Chachma and Bina are the father and the mother. And in the case of the divine soul, the divine soul experiences Chachma and then Bina, and this gives birth to a child. And what is the child? The child is the love of Hashem or the awe of Hashem. These are the emotional experiences, the emotional responses where the person becomes subjectively involved. So when Chachma conceives godliness, and when Bina takes it from the realm of Chachma and comprehends it and internalizes it, and it becomes a beautiful intellectual edifice, now the child is born from the union of Chachma and Bina, from the father and the mother. Love to Hashem is born and awe of Hashem is born. Yeah. What is the process of transmission from Chachma or Bina? Are there levels within them? What allows the person indeed to have Bina? Yes. I must caution that although the details we are discussing today, it's still quite general, and Chachma itself, there are many facets, and Bina itself, there are many of facets and characteristics and gradations and ranks, etc. But nevertheless, there is nothing in the middle between Chachma and Bina. As mentioned from the Zohar, these are two inseparable friends, and Chachma has the ability to transmit to Bina. As mentioned before, it is that mode of experience in Chachma, where the person transcends himself, and Bina is that mode where the person returns back to himself and begins contemplating it according to his own terms. So by their very, very definition, Chachma allows to transfer to Bina. Thank you. But nevertheless, there is that crucial statement of our sages in Sefer Yitzira, Havein b'chachma v'chachem b'bina. Don't allow it to remain Chachmadik and don't allow it to remain Binadik. The Chachma must lead to Bina, and the Bina, like a spiral staircase, must lead ultimately back to Chachma. And the combination of the two is what produces a wonderful, a wonderful child. Have a good day and a wonderful week. Before you stand up, let me just announce regarding the schedule of the following weeks. The next week, the Sunday, Yud, Sunday the 13th day of Nisan, April 20th, there will not be a class. The following week... Sunday, the 27th of April, Chafnis, and there will not be a class, as well as the following week, May 4th, Sunday, Chafzai, and there will not be a class. So the following three weeks, three Sundays, there will not be a class. The, this class will resume on the fourth day of Eir, Sunday, May 11th. The reason is I was uh, asked this week to uh, travel for Pesach in the days following to uh, the Jewish community of Kobe, Japan, to... Uh, to uh, to lead the communal Durham for the for the Jews who uh, live over there, and more importantly, to uh, to uh, lecture and give classes regarding Jewish mysticism and spirituality. Unfortunately, a lot of Jews who traveled there 
It was for the reason that they felt that there was no spirituality that could be found in their heritage, and thus they went to experiment other disciplines, especially Far Eastern philosophies and disciplines. So uh, part of my mission is to uh, try to introduce to the Jewish people the rich and beauty, beautiful uh, spiritual qualities of their very own uh, very own heritage. So hopefully I will be able to bring you regards from our brothers and sisters in uh, Kobe, Japan, and have a kosher and a freilich in Pesach. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.